This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to the Talking Devils podcast with me, Dave Murphy. And today I'm delighted to be joined once again by former United player, current Morgan centre-half, Scott Wooten. Scott, how are you doing today? Yes, very good. Thanks, Dave. All good yourself? Yeah, not too bad. I, I just watched the England game there, you know, a comprehensive win there. Um, after they <clears throat> started to bring on a few players, but a bit of a snooze fest in the beginning. But, I mean, you can expect that, you know, at home to Andorra, they're going to they're gonna sit back. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Um, just want to just wanna get a few things out of the way first, as we do at the start of the show. If, if you're watching on YouTube, please be sure to like and subscribe. Button somewhere around here. If you're listening on podcasts, please give us a rating and a review. Um, say nice things about Scott. Say whatever you want about me. Um, I'm fine with that. And if you're watching live, be sure to get your questions in. Um, I want to mention one other thing. Uh, be sure to check out talkingthedevils.co.uk for card for articles, uh, including Matt Galliaz's column on the return of Ronaldo. Um, check that out. Uh, really, 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 really good article. So Scott, um, no game this week. Um, I think you know. I think the world is around Manchester is going to implode. Uh, <laughs> leading up to this, Ronaldo, uh, it's like you know, teenager first date type of scenario. Everyone's anxious. Everyone's waiting. Um, but I wanted to talk this week a little bit uh, about about you and your career. Um, you have quite a unique career, uh, if you don't mind me saying. Um, you you signed for Liverpool. You went to Manchester United. And you went to Leeds United. Um, I've gone through many, many different uh, searches on Google, and I can't find anyone that has played for Liverpool, Manchester United, and Leeds. Now there may be one. I may be just having a brain fart, but that is a very, very unique career. Um, obviously, because of the rivalry uh, between all three clubs. So uh, I'd love to get some insight from you on, you know, how it all started with, you know, first of all, with, with Liverpool and Benitez and then Manchester United. And, you know, you 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 played under Ole in the, in the reserves and, and then you eventually went to Leeds United. You played Champions League football for Manchester United. I mean, there there is no higher pinnacle than that is, you know, playing in the Champions League for the biggest club in the world. Um, so... It'd be great to just get your insight on, on what it was like to go Liverpool, United, Leeds, because it is a very, very unique, unique career, um, if, if you don't mind me saying so. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, 
I think the Liverpool to Man United one was softer in terms of like, um, I mean, I was only 15, so I wasn't, you know, anywhere near the first team or anything like that. So there was no sort of reaction, you know, social media, anything wasn't about it or anything like that. Um, it was only sort of the, the parents and the people at the clubs at them, that age groups where it was a bit like, oh, what, you know, how, how, how can you go from Liverpool to Man United? And so that was a bit... I kind of describe soft then, you know, there was no, wasn't, like I say, I was 15. I wasn't this huge up and coming sort of prospect, but we started with that. Then that came about. So I was nine, 10, just sort of playing locally level, uh, started playing for my district, uh, which then got me to Tram- a club called Tramier Rovers, which is my, the most local sort of professional club to my, uh, my, where I lived and grew up. And then from there, um, so you know, Tramier Rovers a League Two level, so any decent player, decent prospect would usually get scouted by the Everton, Liverpool, Man United, Man City crew. We've got a really good youth system, and um, so I started playing for my district, uh, Whittle School Boys, which would play. You'd, you'd sort of play. You'd branch out. You'd start to play Manchester teams, Liverpool teams. Uh, this was at eleven, and then I had a choice between a uh, crew, Liverpool, and Man United. Funnily enough, at the time. Um, and I had a big decision to make. I decided to, to move on from Tramier because Tramier were sort of classed as school of excellence and they would only play the certain calibre and level of teams, whereas the academy teams would play against you know top clubs every week all around the northwest. Um, and I picked Liverpool mainly, well, for the only reason that um, I had to, it was the only place that would work in terms of my, my life at the time, school. I had two sisters. Um, my dad worked away a bit, so a lot was left on my mum uh, in terms of getting me to training because obviously we were training in the evenings after school. So I decided Liverpool was only 30 minutes from my house, uh, whereas Man United and crew were both an hour, so it, it just wouldn't have worked there logistically. Um, so then I went to Liverpool, um, really had a good time, uh, met some still friends for life, really. My best friend I st- still speak to now, he, uh, he was with me at Liverpool. Um, but it got to a stage where I was about 14, 15, and the Liverpool youth team had won the Youth Cup, uh, which at, at in the youth under eighteen level, that's like the the Champions League. That that's what everything's put into. Yeah. And I was look all the parents are all starting to do all the research, and they've all got their eye on the ages above. And is my son getting a look in? And as you can imagine, as a parent and all parents, you know anyone listening, they know they're all looking out for players in their position and whatnot. And this is how it goes, it's like a rat race. Honestly, I made up. I haven't got a son. Um. But what we know, what, and I was very luckily uh, thankful that all the parents of my age group and me dad especially, there was nobody in that Liverpool youth team who, for one, was anywhere near the first team, nowhere near it, and struggling to get a kick even for the reserve team. So there was no pathway through. Not even forget making a career at Liverpool, have a career in football, which was is the aim for all kids, really. You know, the first thing you set out to do yeah. is dream to play football. Of course, it'd be a dream to to have a, an amazing career at one of the top clubs in in the country. But I, it was a big thing. I remember my dad saying to me, "Wouldn't it be great to be called your job at a football and be paid to play football? That's like the ultimate dream." It is. It is. So when you know when we're looking and these lads, you know, really good players, like I say, at that level, you can't do any more. These lads won the youth cup back to back. And they weren't. There was only, you know, there's, I think there's only two players that have played over 100 games, and it shouldn't be like that. On the flip side, they actually beat Man United in the Youth Cup, funnily enough. And these players who were in the Man United team, they were playing for the youth team on a Saturday, but they were playing for the reserves in the week. 
So th- there's a clear pathway there into the first team and obviously the history of Man United in terms of, of getting young English players through. But also the amount of um, young English Man United players that were playing in all the leagues, championship level, League One, League Two, abroad, they were, they were lads were playing everywhere. So I was very fortunate that coincidentally turning Man United down at 11, the scout just every once a year would, would give me a phone call How to me dad, not myself, obviously at that age. How's Scott getting on? Is he enjoying it? And for, for four or five years, it was it was great. But when I was 15, 16, and a lot of that was under Benitez's influence, he was signing a lot of foreign players and they were going straight into the, under, well, it'd be called the under-23 squad now, it was the reserve team at the time. And like I say, the main issue, there was just no path. So I got offered at 14, a two-year contract to 16 and a two-year scholarship, which was really early. Um, I'd played for England, England under 16s, I think at 15 with a couple of the Liverpool lads. And um, so I was really fancy that Liverpool at the time, the coaches rated me highly, but it was a big, bold decision really to leave because of them reasons. You know, there was only me and one other lad at that age were offered that, that four-year contract really at 14. But I just said, no, like, you know, I, I want to leave. Um, and that and that was that really. Uh, they 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 didn't say anything. They went quiet for a few weeks. There was a couple of I was talking to a couple of clubs. I spoke to Preston. Uh, I played a reserve game for Preston at fifteen. Uh, could have signed there, and then the scout from Man United called, like I said, and um, obviously the conversation was different this time. For oh yeah, he's okay, he's enjoying it. It was no, um, you know, he could potentially be interested in 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 coming. And he was like, okay, so I went there for a week's trial. Uh, trained with the youth team, Paul McGuinness. Uh, unbelievable coach spent a week there and at the end of the week they said yeah we, we want to sign you and then that, <clears throat> that was it no brainer probably easiest decision I've ever had to make really loved the week it was absolutely incredible and even I could see in that week the interaction all the, the players from the youth team reserve team first team were all they were mingling they were eating together they were all having breakfast together players were from the youth team were constantly going up to train with the reserves reserve team players were going up to train with the first team under 16 or 15 players were training with the youth team. You could just see how players got better and progressed because they were constantly being pushed. So he then obviously joined United. Um, played before, as a, <clears throat> before we move on to the United one, um, I, I have a question for you. Um, we, we've spoken in the past. You said, you know, at that time you were a Tramir fan, um, which to yeah. me is, is the best club in Liverpool anyway or in that area, you know, I'm biased, <laughs> but whatever. Um but your dad and your granddad are Everton, you know, supporters. Obviously, you know, for a long time, uh, you know, massive, massive Everton fans. How do they feel when, when you know, you're sitting down at Christmas dinner and saying, you know, anyone want to hear how I'm getting on at Liverpool? Um, <laughs> how did that come across? Yeah, no, it was, um, it was great that they were um, obviously having a laugh and a joke and stuff, saying, you know, you can't bring, uh, my dad used to always say, when because you obviously, when you, it's like Christmas as a kid, because you, when you sign for these clubs, because you get like yeah. two tracksuits, two training kits. So my dad always used to say, oh, you can't bring that kit in the house. You'll have to leave it out in the garage and, and little <laughs> stuff like that, uh, which was good for me. My granddad, um, my granddad used to come to a lot of the games, um, you know, very supportive. But apart from past the jokes, they, you know, they, they just want what's best for me. And, you know, Liverpool was a good... Actually, in fact, I actually went to Everton as an eight-year-old and uh, he said no. So I was crying my eyes out in the car, I remember this. So my dad was a bit like, even though he was an Everton fan, he was sort of like stuffed down type thing. Um, <laughs> so 
yeah. Now, apart from the odd joke about couldn't bring the kit in the house, it was um, it was all good. But yeah, even even that was a bit a bit strange. You know, you start going to Liverpool games as an as an Everton fan because you, you obviously you get tickets to the games and stuff. And you know, my dad would have went to a few. You take your mates to a few. So um, yeah, it's and then obviously from leading on to United, you leave Liverpool. Yeah, to United. Um, that was a like you say quite unique situation. Not many people would have done that. No. Um, but no, I mean, my, I can't speak highly enough of my time at, at Man United. It was at a time where just the quality and the level. So my first full-time year there was the year they won the Champions League and the Premiership. You know, it was just incredible to to, to be at the club. Obviously not involved in the first team, but just even to be around the place at that time was, um, was just amazing in terms of the standards, the mentality of the players, the way they trained, the, the quality and the level. And that filtered all the way down because to train with the first team as a reserve player, you've got to be pretty good. So then to get into the reserves where they're getting better because they're training with the first team and mixing with the first team, the, the quality filtered through the whole, you know, it was, uh, it was great. It was, I loved every single minute of it, really. Um, you I'd, played... You played four times for Manchester United. Um, mm-hmm. You uh, uh, you kind of have a, um, a famous part of our, our history, uh, the Chelsea game. Um, <laughs> you you told me a story offline last week uh, about you know the, the that Chelsea game in the League Cup, and you know we all know what happened on that game and the extra time. And um, you know we we always hear about Ferguson, how great he is of a, of, of a man manager and what he does and and the confidence he gives. Uh, can you can you tell our viewers? Um, can you, if you don't mind, could you repeat that story? You know what happened that night, what happened the next day, and then what happened in the following game, which you know speaks volumes for you know how Ferguson saw you as a player as well. Yeah, so that Chelsea game was my third appearance. Everyone always thinks that was me, me one and only game or my debut because obviously it was the most famous game, and I uh, <laughs> had a nightmare. Um, but obviously, you know, the game happened. Couldn't. You know, horrific nights after they couldn't sleep a wink. Um, next day came in training, um, hadn't slept. You know, horrible night. And I seen him. Sorry, this, yeah, it was the next day. We we're out on the pitch doing a cool down, and he just walked over um, to me and Michael Keane. He put his arm around us, and he was just sort of smiled and, and shook his head. And he was like, it was like almost a look as if to say, yeah, "You balls it up, but you've done so well," sort of thing. And he was just like, "Ah." Oh. Bloody hopeless, he said, like in a, in a, and then started laughing. <laughs> we just didn't know. I just didn't know what to say, and um, I was just like, "Oh yeah, I know." But then he, he put his arm around me and he just said, "But do you know what?" He said, "It doesn't mean you're not a good player." He said, "You're still a very good player," and that was it. Give me a slap on the head, and then you sort of jogged off the training. And if I was being brutally honest with myself, I thought after that, such a wasn't a high, really high profile game in terms of it was a league cup game. You know, it wasn't a, a Premier League match or a Champions League game. But for a young player to play against a Chelsea away, I thought, ah, oh, you know, kind of blew it. Not blew it, but, you know, after making the few mistakes in the game, and I thought that might be me, me chance gone sort of thing. But I think it was about 10 days later, or two and a half weeks later, um, we had a Champions League game. And he didn't name the team until about an hour and a half, well, an hour and a half before the game. And he started me in it, which I couldn't believe. I just thought, wow, you know, what a guy to... to for me, you know, for, for messing up in that game previously that I played, for making the mistakes and costing the team, really. Um, although there's still a few other things I had that led in the build-up to that that I wasn't, I was frustrated at with other players. But um, 
you know, that's a different story. Yeah. And I thought, you know, just to play me, in, you know, in a champions to start me in a Champions League game, be it we'd already qualified, you know, I was, st- I was still playing with the likes of yeah, Heia, Rooney, Giggs, Cleverly, Anderson. I think Van, I can't think if Van Persie might have played maybe, but I just thought, you know, for what he'd said to me previous and and how he how he dealt with me after that was was class really. And did you? Um, I mean, you you go from the absolute low of that to you know Ferguson putting his arm around you, and and words are easy, you know, but but mm. they can be good as well. Don't get me wrong, but to actually you know to, to follow through then and and to to tell you and to show you, hey, listen, I still have the utmost faith in you boys and you in particular. And he throws you in on a Champions League night, regardless of being qualified, and he could have picked anyone else, yeah. you know. Um, how did you feel? I mean, when when you got named in it, were you like? Hundred feet high and thinking, okay, so that mistake is in the past. Now let's just look forward. Yeah, exactly that. I remember uh, it was quite a surreal moment, really. Uh, you know, when you line up for the and the Champions League anthem was coming on, it's just like I, wow. I do that. In my, I do that in my living room only. <laughs> so, you have a unique position ahead of me, so yeah. But the, you know, it's, that's what I mean. It's famous, isn't it? People always yeah. sing the anthem, and and um, I just remember being stood there, like alongside these players, and the anthem was coming on. Old Trafford was near enough packed, and I was just like, "This is the." And you have the you have the separate badge on the kit, you know. You have the Champions yeah. League badge, and I was just like, "Wow, this is this is just incredible." Uh, you know, obviously that mistake or the Chelsea game, I couldn't I wouldn't say it was completely erased from my memory. Still, probably not to this day, to be honest. But um, just to be stood there in that line with that anthem playing um, was was. An exp- I remember just thinking after the game, you know, no one can ever take that away from me to to say yeah. that. You know, you've played in the Champions League for the for the biggest club in the world is is unbelievable. Then, um, obviously, you know, uh, as we know, um, you uh, you you didn't um, you you made four appearances whole for Manchester United. Uh, you made, you know, obviously, you 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 uh, you then then went on to play for Leeds United uh, in the Championship. I think at that stage, yeah, yeah. Um, you know. We always have this debate about Premier League Championship. You know, for me, I think the Championship is is probably the toughest league in in England. Uh, for the reason being is that in the and this is my opinion in the Premier League, you've got four to six really good teams. Sometimes you only have three. In the Fergie Wenger years, you only had two. But the Championship, even though you know the teams may not be as good as the Premier League, but they're all as equally as good. You know, probably half of them are equally as good as each other in the Championship. So that was what made. That's what I mean by making it. It is a tougher league. Um, you went to Leeds. You know, a, a big club as well. You know, they they really are. Um, now they're back in the Premier League. Obviously, uh, what was that like going from? You know. As you said, you know, when you went from Liverpool to Manchester United, you were a young kid and, you know, you weren't a first-teamer. People weren't really talking about it. Now, you, now you've now you played, you know, Champions League football for Manchester United. You're a lot older. You know, you're 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 well-known. And then you go from Manchester United to Leeds, um, who, you know, were trying to get into the Premier League as well. Uh, how did how did that come about? And, you know, what was that like being... being a f- because... People probably forgot the fact that you play for Liverpool at least. They just think yeah. he's had to come up from Manchester United. You know, you know, how did that come about? You know, what was your experience like there? Because I know Leeds were going through a big transition around that time as well. Um and, and in a very, very tough league. Yeah. It came about um I'd actually had a two year deal at United on the table under Ferguson. Um, because after I made the four appearances, that was all before January. And then it got to the January um 
I think all the centre backs, Ferdinand Vinic, Johnny Evans, Jones, Small, and they were all back fit. So I went on loan to Peterborough, but I had to have an operation on my hamstring only after two games. Anyway, that was the same summer that David Moyes came in, Ferguson left. So I got this deal, got injured, um, and I was a bit sort of in limbo. I was 21. So what I decided was, well, I'll speak to the. Oh, That gone off. Hello. Yeah, still here. Sorry, my son just popped up on my laptop. Sorry. Um, what I uh, what I decided was to do was um, Ferguson said, you know, it's not going off the table. You don't have to sign it. You're in no rush. Wait till the summer. Speak to the new manager because it was only about two or three weeks. I had a couple of negotiations with him, and then it come out that he was leaving. So next time I'd spoken to him, it was like, well, you're not going to be here. So I don't know what to sort of do. I'm 21. I need to play. Anyway, I had, a, I had a brief conversation with David Moyes in the pre-season. And I said, look, I've got this deal. Um, more than happy to sign it if you can guarantee me I could go on loan. Because I'd had three loans previously in the championship. And I felt at that time that was probably my level. Um, you know, I, I could have, I was a good championship player at the time. Um, and he, he basically said, I can't guarantee anyone to go on loan. You know, obviously a huge job. I just came in. Um so he said, I can't basically his words where he couldn't guarantee me that I could go out on loan. So my thinking then was, having played for United, I think I'd played probably nearly 40 games maybe in the championship on loan at Peterborough and Notts Forest the season before. I thought, I can't go back now to playing in the reserves. It's just a huge step backwards. Yeah. This might be me time now. 21, you know, the first team was littered with superstars. You know, Fidic and Ferdinand were probably the best partnership in world football. Um, they'd signed Phil Jones, Chris Smalling for big money. Johnny Evans was a, an amazing player as well. So I just thought, right, this would be my time now to to, to move on. Yeah, Leeds came in, made United a good offer. They accepted it. And and that's how it came about, really. And, um, you know, I, I'll be honest, I didn't realise the rivalry was as big from coming from United because at the time, Leeds were in the Championship. I think Leeds were even in League One during my time at United. In fact, I'm pretty sure they were. They were, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they gone, you know, they were even in the third tier for a club of that size is catastrophic, really. Um, so United were never really. It was more City were coming. Obviously, the old rivalry from Arsenal, the historic rivalry with Liverpool, Chelsea. They had, you know, the, the the Champions League final, and Chelsea were up there fighting for the title. So they were they were the main rivals of Man United at the time. You know, Leeds were in the Championship trying to fight to get out of that, and in League One. But then when I signed for Leeds. The only rivalry Leeds had was Man United, and it shocked yeah. me really. Uh, I mean, I knew the look, don't get me wrong, I knew the rivals even when we used to play them in the youth team. I remember the youth team game once, um, I think the parents were fighting on the side, Brian Swinnicliffe got sent off, and it was Khan. So, I did, don't get me wrong, I knew there was rivalry, but I mean, the Leeds fans hate Man United with a passion that that is their biggest rival by a mile. Um, and yeah, you know, I'd be walking in the city centre and, and fans would stop and speak. And, They'd also, you know, it's it's better than the they call Man United the scum. That's how much they hate Man United. They call Man United the scum. Um, they'd say, oh, you know, better than the scum here, isn't it? And stuff like that. And it, they, there was a real hatred um, towards Man United for sure. It's not a nice position to be in because you know you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Whatever you say, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, it was quite difficult for me because, um, you know, there was, there was times during my Leeds career where, you know, I'd be in the team doing really well, but if we'd lost the game. It was, yeah. it was my fault because I was yep. the ex-United player. You know, that happens all over cl in clubs and fans. But um, no, I did get a bit of a back. I, I did feel like an easy target at times with the fans because of 
and that that did pop up a lot when on social media uh, and meeting people and stuff like that uh, out and about. But don't get me no luck. The, the problem, like you said, I think you said it was going through a, a real transition, and it was. You know, I think I was there for three seasons. I had two ownerships and seven managers. I mean, that's difficult for any manager or any player to to have any sort of continuity or any. I don't think there was from when I first joined. I think there's only Calvin Phillips who would still be there now, and he was in the youth team. Okay. No. Well, this is the thing, you know, you, you, you're, you know, seven managers means you're doing seven interviews, aren't you? You're doing seven trials all over again. You've got to convince another manager. And, and if that manager just, you know, plays a different way or a certain way, you know, whatever about the ownership, that just creates carnage at the top. But seven managers, I mean, in any walk of life or any job, you know, if you've got seven managers based over three years, it, it's got to be a very, very mentally, it's got to be very tough because especially if you get a good run in a team, then. You know, even though results aren't going your way, the manager gets sacked and it don't continue. Like, oh my God, now I've got to do all this all over again. I got to convince this guy that I can play. Uh, how difficult was that? Like, you know, especially under seven managers. Yeah, it was, and I don't forget one of them was there for a the full year, so it was six and two, really. You know, Brian McNeil had signed me; he had the, the full year. Um, then the ownership changed to the famous Massimo Cellino, um, the crazy <laughs> Italian guy. Who, uh, <laughs> You know, and then he appointed. I think Dave Hockaday had six games. Yeah. Neil Redfern got four games as caretaker. Darko Milinic came in. He had six games. Neil Redfern that then got proper the, the proper job um, till the end of the season. I think that was around about January time, possibly. Uh, and we actually done really well under Neil Redfern and Steve Thompson. That was the best best spell during my time there. I think we were. I got in when he took over. I think we were in the, near the relegation zone. And we finished just short of the play. I think there was just a, a chance with six or seven games left where we we could have got in the playoffs, uh, but didn't didn't quite work. We, we fell away a bit uh, towards the end of the season, and then Neil Redfern lost his job. Should never have lost his job, really. He done he done a really good job, um, and then Steve uh, Uwe Rossler came in. I think he got about eight or nine games, and then Steve Evans came in uh, from Rotherham. Uh, he done a really good job at Rotherham and, and got the job and. Um, he asked at the end of the season, but yeah, like you say, it was it was um, especially under Massimo Cellino. The first year was pretty okay um, in terms of what the one manager was there all the way through. Um, but yeah, it was just you know it was just chaotic. Like imagine that, imagine getting six games or four games. You've done a full pre-season with a manager, and don't forget, six games isn't six weeks in the championship because you play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. Six games. I don't think he got. He got about three weeks after the first game of the season. Three or four weeks. So it was just. It was just carnage, really. And then it all goes out the window. Then all the preseason goes out the window. All the planning goes out the window. Then they bring in another guy, and you know if he doesn't hit the ground running, it's it's back to square one. And I, I listen as a supporter of Manchester United. I'm not going to say. I was very disappointed what was happening to Leeds at that time. Okay. Um, but I did think it was absolute chaos. I thought, how would he keep just hard? It's, it's uh, people just pulling the name out of a hat and saying, okay, let's yeah. keep him till December. Let's, and then we'll bring this other guy in till March. Mm. It was absolute carnage. Um, yeah. Obviously, they've said he the ship now. Um, but at that time, I mean, your head must have been in a melt. It must have been like, you know, who's next? Yeah, exactly that. And there was just so many distractions in, in the dressing room at the time. Like you say for that, oh, was he going to a manager that lose a couple of games? And everyone thought he was going to get fired now. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. That's just how it was. 
there was there was even rumours. I think I listened to Dave Hockaday in a podcast, and he, he thought he was going to get sacked in pre-season after losing the game. Honest to God, it was just it was absolute carnage. Honestly, that's the and truth. That filters down to the players then and puts extra pressure on the players, especially if the players have a connection with the manager because they feel personally responsible then, and then it puts you know even more pressure on it. I'm I'm, I'm baffled by how you know, and I see this all over all over um, world football as well as that owners just they'll, they'll sack managers on a whim and they don't realize that the ripple that it has is you know on the players the next guy you bring in and the players are going to be a lot more nervous they're going to be a lot more anxious i mean some may not but i think the majority of them do i think they take you know they take a personal in the fact when a manager gets fired yeah absolutely um and like you say it affects everyone differently um got to the point where we were sort of used to it at the time as players because you were just sort of half expecting it and it shouldn't be like that you know, like you say, you think of all successful teams and spells. They've all look at your leads now. You know what an unbelievable team they are at the minute because they've had Bielsa there since third season. Yeah, you know, they, they all know the jobs. They all know inside out what to do, and they know the daily routines. They know how they trains. You know, Man United under Ferguson for twenty six years, incredible Wenger. You know, people. Some a lot of people have got to be very careful what they wish for. I feel in for. I think that happens a lot in football with players yeah. and. Um, but yeah, it was it was a crazy, crazy time, and I think it's amazing, like you just said, about what the effect it has from an owner filtering through the football club or business or company, whatever it might be. You look what's happened there now. They've had a, the owner come in. He seems Red Rosani, I think his name is really sensible. Seems yeah. got obviously very wealthy back, and I think he's only had two or three managers during his five or six years. Um, but you get, you know, it's not. You go out and you get a top manager and you back him and you're trusting him. No, patience. That's what it's about, but there's no patience in football, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Short term. So, unless you've been living under a rock or you've been stuck on Mars, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, as we know, has come back to Manchester United. Um, I mean, we've we've seen all the craziness around us. I, I personally think, you know, it, it's getting a little bit too much, but that's what you get with Ronaldo. We had it with David Beckham. Um, I remember... I remember reading an article uh, the season after David Beckham left and Manchester United went on preseason. So it was just after that first preseason that Beckham had left. And one of the players um, said that, you know, the preseason then was just so much different without Beckham. It was more relaxed. They could do a lot more things. This seems to be 10 times more, you know, with Ronaldo, obviously with social media the way it is and all. So I got I got one or two quick questions about, about the Ronaldo situation. Obviously, it's great for Manchester United. He's still one of the best players in the world. You and I have talked about this. You know, his level is, even though he's not at his level, he's still at a level that's way above most, most players out there. Uh, with all due respect to them. Um, now we have this dilemma where we got we got, which is a great dilemma, Cavani, Rashford, Greenwood, um, Martial. Cristiano Ronaldo, Sancho. If if you're sitting in the manager's chair today, and all those players are fit, how do we line up up front? Good question. Um, that's why you should never be a manager. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think if if Man United were playing in the Champions League final tomorrow, and all them players were hundred percent fit, me personally, I would go with. I think you have to go with Ronaldo as, as your central striker. Let's say this playing a 4-2-3-1. I think you'd have to pick Ronaldo as your central striker. I think you'd have to pick Bruno Fernandes as your number 10. Then you've got Sancho, Rashford, Greenwood, Martial. I mean, it's tough, isn't it? 
straight away I'm I'm eliminating Martial at the moment because of his yeah, form. I was just going to say that. Yeah, I was just going to say. I'm thinking it's two out of the three of Greenwood, Sancho, and Rashford. You could flip a coin, couldn't you? I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Greenwood. I'm a massive fan I'm a of. Huge of, fan of him. Yeah. Best finisher at the club until Ronaldo yeah. came along. Yeah, I, I don't think you could. I think it's a toss up between Rashford and Sancho on the left. For for me personally, I I, I do. I think Greenwood is that good. Um, I mean, Sancho was apparently bought for the. I know he played on the left in the last game, but he was apparently bought to fix this problem of the right wing with Greenwood eventually becoming a central striker. But I think he pops up with so many vital goals for United, and he's such. That's the thing. Um, you you hit the nail on the head there. Greenwood, one hundred percent, was being earmarked to be our our centre forward for for the next decade. But then all of a sudden this Ronaldo thing pops up and all your plans go out the window. And we've had, you know, we've had many commentators commentating on, you know, Ronaldo is not the player he was. We should have bought, you know, this player and that player. It's gonna it's gonna, you know, slow down the progress of of Greenwood. But you as a professional footballer, and if you see Ronaldo on the training pitch and in the team, is that not going to raise your game, raise your level? I, I I fully understand the concept where they're saying, well, if he's playing and it, you know Greenwood's on the bench, his development gets uh, gets uh, uh, slowed down. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I really don't. I mean, we've seen down the years when players like Cantona and you know Robin van Persie and you know all these players were brought in and and the team just all of a sudden is lifted and everyone else is lifted with it. Um, I believe that that's going to be the case with Ronaldo. It's it's just for me. I'm 100 behind you. I think it's I think it's Ronaldo up front. I think it's Greenwood on the right. And based on the fact that you know Rashford isn't you know he's only coming back from injury. He didn't really finish the season great last year. Um, he didn't have a great Euros. For me, I'd be Sancho on the left. Um, yeah. But what a, what an awesome sight to see that you know you've got well, those three players. You got Cavani and and sorry and Martial and Rashford on on the on the bench, and you're thinking, oh my god, you know, as, as a centre as a centre half yourself, you spent seventy minutes, you know, battling those three, and then you know it goes up and Cavani's coming on or Rashford's coming on. What are you thinking? Well, I think for that it, it's it'll be the concentration. You'd be so drained mentally, concentrating where's Ronaldo as a defender. And then if you've got someone, like you say, of the experience and quality of Cavani or Rashford, yeah. pff, it's the last thing you want to see. But it's great options for them, for Ollie, isn't it? You know, I remember um, watching a game probably about a year, 18 months ago, and Paul Scholes was, was the pundit on it. And he was saying how bored he was and there's no options off the bench. And when you look at that now, it's completely, completely different, isn't it? You know, whoever. You play. You've got Martial. You've got one of say say for example that that was the team that was starting. You've got Martial, Cavani, Rashford. You know them three alone. They'd get in most teams from three. You know, oh yeah. It's um oh it's 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 really good. Um, I'm excited to see how how Ollie picks it. And also the other thing in terms of the development in the game, there's so many games now. Um, you've got League Cup. You've got minimum six Champions League games. You've got the FA Cup. You know the, the club will play probably, hopefully, if they progress in the cups, they could be looking at you know fifty odd game, fifty close, getting close to sixty, yeah, sixty games. So you know these play and also the the theory of Greenwood won't develop as much because Ronaldo's been brought and all, all that. I don't buy that. I'm the same as you. I don't buy that one bit because you can still progress if you're not playing every single week. 
you know, he's only a young lad. He needs to be also learning stuff in training and getting detail of, of coaching. And, you know, as a striker, to be getting coached by Ronaldo, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, that'll be invaluable to him. You know, I don't think it'd be a huge difference to his development if he plays 40 games a season or 30. I don't think, I won't buy that at all. That's a, that's a good point. That is a good point. Yeah. Um, in the games, yeah. if he's going to play 30 games versus 40 games, what's the difference? You know, if he, if he doesn't play any games, yes, I get it. But he's played yeah, 30 well, games yeah. versus, well, if Ronaldo was in here, he may have played 40. There's really not that much of a difference in that, is there? No, um, I do have a question, though, uh, before we finish up. And, and this is one that, that um, it, it, it gives me conflicting answers. I'm a big Marcus Rashford fan, but no one can deny that his form last season wasn't at the standard it, it was previous seasons. But that said, as Jason Prime um, uh, points out, you know, Rashford got, you know, 20 goals last season. And, and normally for the striker, you would say 20 goals. That's amazing. Hmm. But do, do, do you, are, you on the, are you on the same wavelength, the fact that, some fans still think he didn't have a great season, even though because not you know, you, you can manipulate you know figures and facts and you know for your own narrative to say, well, you got 20 goals or you got 26 goals, and you're like, well, yeah, yeah, I know, but you know, Lukaku got you know a billion goals, but yet he still we there was still that niggling doubt about his ability, you know. Marcus Rashford, fantastic player, don't get me wrong, absolutely fantastic player. And I got 20 goals last season, but for me. And you know, also for you as well, you never you never threw Rashford in there right away. Why do you think that is? You know, with, with a striker that scored twenty goals, shouldn't he be in the first team? But yet, I'm 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 on the uh, on the side of well, I know 20, 20 goals is twenty goals, but I just think that you know we at this moment in time, his form is not great. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I hear I completely hear what you're saying. I think the reason for that, like you say, twenty goals twenty years ago would be yeah. <laughs> Golden Bill. Yeah, exactly. Whereas now the bar has been raised by, and I'm not talking Messi, Ronaldo, goal scoring levels, even Kane, uh, the lads at Marley and Seller. You know, 20 goals now is 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 decent, very good. Expected as a striker. Yeah, and it's yeah, exactly. Um, and listen, I'm I'm a huge fan of Rashford. I think he's a, a superb player, and I seen Jason's question there. I don't think he was fully fit. You could just tell in certain games. As a player, you can you can almost see how they move and how they run, how they sprint. And I just couldn't... I, there was games where I'm thinking, he's not fit. He doesn't look 100%. When someone's 100% at it, especially someone as quick as him, you just see they're electric. And I just felt, watching quite a lot of the games last year, he, he looked a little bit injured. Um for me but listen it's 20 goals for the wide player still a, a very very good return like I say I just think the 20 goals now isn't and again like you, you said it it's all to support agenda the, if, if I love Marcus Rashford and I wanted to play well I'm going to say well he scored 20 goals He's he wasn't even fit and he scored 20 but if you're not really a massive fan of Rashford you say well Marnie and Salah they score 30 plus I, I feel like that's that's not the problem but that's where the fan opinion now gets yeah. You can choose because of the, the bar in terms of goal scoring has been raised. Kane, Aguero, uh, Marnie, Salah, you know, the, the absolute goal machine. So I think you're always comparing people to, to that. I seen Gary Neville made a point of he thinks Man United can improve but finish lower. 
and what he's mean you're comparing to, to the other clubs you're comparing Rashford to the other goal scorers yeah. um, and because you want him to do so well because he's a, a, a lad who's come through the academy Manchester lad um, you know you're striving for him to get that 25 make that next step and go and get 25-30 goals and then people you can't leave him out then because he's he's scoring nearly every week That you know that that's where it lies for me Um the bar in terms of goal scoring has, has been raised in recent seasons. So last question, because you know this has kind of come into my head since we've been talking, and you you actually had mentioned it there about him being a winger. Is that his best position now? I know he started off as a striker. Is is, is his battle now with 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 Jaden Sancho for that left position? Because me personally, I think all he's gonna he's gonna try and shoehorn in Greenwood anywhere he can, and I think Greenwood is the best on the right. We've seen that. Is is it a Sancho Rashford battle for the left now? Um. Possibly, I, I just feel that the amount of games I said it earlier, the amount of games they play, you know, there'll be games where they'll both play. Possibly, Sancho will play on the right, Rashford will play on the left, Greenwood might play up front if Ronaldo needs a rest. And like he, he'll juggle that round, and he um, that'll be the hardest job he's got now. Ollie is keeping everyone happy, keeping everyone fit. Yeah. Um, you know, Martial will want to play some games, otherwise he's not going to be happy. But I, I don't think it's a simple. Is he ever happy? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't feel it. Um, simple to say Greenwood is nailed in on the right and it's a toss-up every week between uh, Rashford and Sancho uh, Rashford and Sancho you know there'll be games where like I said they both play uh, there'll be games where they sub on for each other you know there'll be loads of rotation and, and like I said the the amount of games that that they play will allow them to do that um, yeah. but yeah if, for me personally if there was a game tomorrow and they were all fit it would be a toss-up between them two for that for that left-hand side position, just only because I think Greenwood is that good. I think Ronaldo picks himself. I think Bruno's stats and form over since he joined the club pick himself. Yeah, uh, and like I say I'm just a huge, huge Mason Greenwood fan. And it allows us, you know, with that many options, it does allow us to um, to not have to overly rely on Bruno Fernandez every single week like we have been for the past season and a half since he signed. It's just, you know, the guy is just, you know, it, it obviously takes its effect on you playing that that amount of games. But not just that, but the mental stress of, well, you're the main man. Now we've got three or four main men. And, and we've known throughout, you know, especially in the Ferguson era, when you've got so many high-quality players, the pressure gets spread out amongst the whole team. And it's not just, and that's not just in Manchester United, it's in every team. If you've just got one good but, I mean, Spurs take it, for example, the amount of pressure that's on Harry Kane, you know, just to perform week in, week out, obviously will have it has an effect on you over the season. So, I mean, we are, we are in a very nice position right now. I'm not going to scream from the rooftops that we're going to win the league, but we're definitely in a better position than we were last season when we came second. I know last season was a bit of a weird season with no fans and stuff like that. But we've definitely gone from strength to strength, I believe, each season since Oli um, has taken charge. It, you know, it, it makes us want to be there, makes us want to watch games of Manchester United now. Um, he just needs to get over that line. Um, you know, he really does. And the pressure is on. Let's be honest. The pressure is on Ole now. You know, he has all the tools. He has the team. Yeah, we could do it another midfielder, but we brought in three world-class players. The pressure is now on. And, and we see him back in 1990. Um, when you win that first trophy, when you win that first trophy, it just does something to a club and to a team. And if we had a won that, you know, if we had a won the Europa Cup last season, I believe that, you know, we would have, we would have been up there to really, really challenge. But there's still that mental thing as well. You've got to get over that line. And let's not forget, you know, Klopp lost five finals in a row. 
And, you know, people started to doubt him. And, and as much as I don't want to bring up Klopp and what he won, you know, for obvious reasons, you know, he went and won the Champions League in the league then. you just And, and it was because of, I personally believe that once you win that first trophy, regardless of what it is, you're a winner. And then you take it on from there. Ferguson did it. Let's just hope Ollie does it because, you know, from 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 a legend of a player to a manager, it means more. It really does. I remember, I mean, I followed United since the early 80s. And, you know, when Liverpool were dominating and dominating and dominating, you know, and, and I, my, my two brothers follow Liverpool. You know, they're not perfect, so they follow Liverpool. Um and, you know, when Kenny Doggies came in as manager, I just seen how much more it meant to the supporters that a legend had won something, you know. And that's what I crave at this moment in time. And I'll back Ollie all the way till the end um, because it's going to mean more when he does win something. So. Scott, as always, I appreciate you coming on. Um, we'll, uh, and, and thanks, everyone, for, for, for looking in and, you know, asking the questions. Um, we really appreciate your time. Uh, like I said, if 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 you're if you're if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Uh, if if you're if you're listening to it back on any of the podcasts, give us a good review. Um, but we appreciate everyone's time. And Scott, let's get back on here next week and talk about Ronaldo's hat trick against Newcastle and um, the demise of hopefully Liverpool, Leeds, and all those other teams as well. So again, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Cheers, mate. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.